Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, you wonderful podcast listeners. Welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. Yes, Steve here to introduce you to some of the best clips from our amazing Red Men Plus shows this week. Yeah, I'll be honest, let's just crack straight into it. Let's crack straight into it with the final wave from Brighton. Yeah, the Reds go down to Brighton. They lose again. And I had the pleasure of talking all about that show. It was brilliant. Really, really thorough. Music, I promise you. So, yeah, check out what we had to say in the aftermath of Liverpool's loss to Brighton and Hove Albion. If you look at the depth of the midfielders, I saw someone say, We're not short of midfielders, we've got nine on the books. That nine can't compete in the Premier League as things are at the moment with the midfielders we're coming up against. McAllister's a World Cup winner, you know, got in the team every single game for Argentina, he clearly offers something, you know. Uh, They've got good players, like you referenced Casado's not there. Could have been even worse if he was. Yeah, it was gross, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. Pascal Gross. He's a good player, don't yeah. get me wrong, he's a good player. I know the Brighton fans think a lot of him. Really, really odd and strange and difficult to, to, to factor in a midfield. Henderson at the moment can't compete with these, young, these younger players. We've, we've talked about him possibly doing the Milner role next season. That might be what happens. Now is really... I'm not sure he's versatile enough for that though. Like well, the Milner well, role means the Milner role means you've got to be able to do left back, right back, centre mid. You can't you can't ask Jordan Anderson to go and play the right. So you can't ask him to sit in the six for twenty five minutes to manage out a game when yes. you need someone to speak. Yeah. You need someone to talk to other people. So potentially that might be what his role becomes, and maybe he's having to reconcile and deal with that in his own mind. They might have had that conversation already, but he looks like a guy who's out of sorts. He looks like a guy who isn't physically up to the job you know it, football's becoming more about athletes than technical players in the centre of the park at the moment certainly this season and we found that right from the opening day when Fulham bullied us with, with pace and power in midfield and we had the first real look at our midfield and thought wow we can't compete let's go and get Arthur in on loan yeah. <laughs> well yeah that's a there's another podcast as well yeah, yeah. Um, so, so right now I, I don't think you can have three in the midfield that includes um, Fabinho and Henderson together at this moment again, possibly ever again. Even Thiago, like I, I, I agree. You yeah, know, the, we didn't you can't bring him in that midfield three again. But he never. That's the point. He never. Because it's because by Chetty, just only Alakadi was thinking. He can't. What can you do? We saw later. We saw actually a little bit later on. Gakpo does really, really well under his dunk. Not, he just throws him on the floor because because yeah, yeah. you're on the yellow card. We haven't got the option of doing that. I get dunk to centre half, but he's effective in that role. He was playing a bit deeper. Um, 
there's a chance surely after the sub they bring Gilmore on of course but then there's a chance where Matoma gets away down the left hand side Alisson makes an, another incredible save that's unbelievable that save get a bit of good fortune with the, with the rebound but the flip side of that is if that goes in it's a bit unlucky you know what I mean it's one of them if that bounces off Alisson into Marsh and back in the goal again you're all thinking hard lines but like I do feel sorry for Alisson at the moment because he's going to win the play of the season award for us a Liverpool goalkeeper should never win player of the season that shouldn't happen you shouldn't have to need him that much but time and time and time again and it, it was just another example there of how good he was because that's a, it's just it's a goal that's just, it's never not a goal it's it's it's, it's Schmeichel-esque big strong out yeah, star yeah. leg that was just another world from again Liverpool's best player this season yeah without a shadow of a doubt and, you know, how, many, how many times is, is Hallison gonna gonna do this it's, it's like it feels as though bar I think he had one bad game bar that He's pulling out these type of saves, minimum two, two, two of these saves every sort of game, and he's been doing that consistently you know, over the season. And you know, like you mentioned, the Player of the Year. I don't even think you know. It's just it's miles ahead. There's nobody even close. Um, but if he is the best goalkeeper in the world, and and he pulled off a worldie. It is right then. Let's let's move on because um, it's red card watch uh, here because there's a, there's a few of these. Obviously. Wow. Um, okay, first of all, Fabinho comes on. Um, and I don't understand this at the moment, how I feel sorry for him. Because, he's getting, again, it by Jetta, Johnny Yellow, and we we, 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 we all see his, his engine still runs out. He looked a bit sharper, actually. He looked like he was getting fitter. But he's got to do something. But at the moment, I can't see, other than just because his name's Fabinho, why he this, this like He can't. It's not fair on him. He isn't, he's nowhere near it. And you can see that by the challenge, and we'll talk about that now, he's so late. And that's not, he's not being malicious. He's not trying to foul Ferguson. He's just being, he's miles off it. Yeah. And he's, he's look, he should, he should have been sent off. There's no doubt. I can't see in a million years how a referee and a VAR do, don't give that as a red card. It's baffling. It really is. But the, the, he, Fabinho's not bringing Fabinho on. The manager and the coaches have to bring Fabinho on. It, it, I'd, I think at the moment of time, I'd rather a, a half fit Stefan Bajetic just being there. I get the yellow card cloud things, but. Fabinho was a net every time he's come on recently against Chelsea it was the same Wolves the same this time that's three times in the last three games now where we've got progressively much much worse when he's come on at some point you can't bring him on and I think we've reached that point oh, 100% it's a red card all day long I don't do not understand <coughs> of all of the things that VAR have checked this season that's right up there that's a red card all day long so it's a horrendous tackle and he's done Ferguson's Achilles, and they'll find out today how bad that is. That that's a ch- career-changing injury if it's an Achilles. It's awful, absolutely awful. He knew straight away by the expression on his face, I could be in trouble here. But it's not like this is the point. He's not done him. It's not like he's gone. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna it's have you. It's crap. just crap. It's just yeah. it's so late. Yeah, yeah it's he's not. So, he's miles off it. Mm. He's been he's been half a yard off every ball pretty much this season Steve. there was a time when he would take the ball off you and he would leave something on you because he was good enough to do that yeah. and a good DM will do that Casemiro's got it in his game Rodri's got it in their game <clears throat> they let you know they've taken the ball off you it's just miles off it, it it's so slow it's absolutely ridiculous and he's sitting on the floor with that, that expression on his face as if to say I'm going off after two minutes you should, should love it. You, like should should have. Have. you know, you actually felt sorry for him. You know, and I think I actually felt the referee felt sorry for him to a point. You know why you didn't give him a red? Because he was like so sorry with what he's doing. He couldn't believe it. It was it was a horrendous tackle. He's, yeah, he's having a stink of that fella. He really is. He needs to take out the fire man. I just give him a week off and say, listen, go and have an old. You go and spend time with your new kid, your new baby and stuff. Because he's he's yeah, he's a net negative every time he comes on. It goes back to the squad depth thing of well, got nine midfielders, but how many of them can play DM at the moment? And it's one, and it's a teenage 
kid who doesn't play 90 minutes. That, that's where we found ourselves. Before that, though, Saj, um, Canate is already, obviously, on a yellow. Um, he got booked in for that the tackle on Ferguson a little bit earlier. McAllister's over the, over the top. Um, yeah, a little bit of a coming together. Uh, ref says play on. I think he got away. With, I think he might have got away with another one. I, I, I don't think it's a straight red. I don't think it's the the denying a goal scoring. On, but he's on a yellow card and he does it, the, the arm does come the across. Does come um, and we've seen this a few times. We saw him do this um, against Brentford. The lad stayed on if he's a score. But like the sort of Arcanate late in games, running back to his own box. Then whether it's a concentration thing or fitness, I don't know what it is. But there's been a couple of times now where he's looked, he hasn't looked comfortable in that situation at all. And with all due respect, Alexis McAllister's good, he's a quick. Yeah, we got away with one again. He, he, he has, and I get the not, I get the not, not being VAR in this because it's not like the his second yellows aren't VARable. Yeah. If that may be, I don't know if VARable to wear, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. But it did feel like we we might. Have. I, I'll be honest, at first glance, I wasn't sure. But the replays do show, yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't I'm, great defending. Yeah. I, I mean, I was first glance, I didn't think it was at all. It's just when you, you see it afterwards, you actually see the replay, you think, okay, this uh, this was definitely a low. His arm comes out, he's clearly, you can see it clear, clearly clear as day. Um, and yet you mentioned it, you know, it's, it's a couple of times now where this has happened in the Brentford game and stuff. I don't know if it's concentration. I think sometimes it's just the... Because he's, you know, generally speaking, he's really, really good on one on ones, you know, commanding. But I think it's the ball where he's, where he's actually turned and going the other way, where he's probably struggling in, t- in that sense. I mean, we don't know if it's fitness or whatever, but we've got away with one again. And then, uh, the, obviously, in, in between again, board goes up five minutes out of time, brilliant. Anti Robbo might get sent off as well, Steve. That's one that, 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 that. I mean, I don't know what Alexis McAllister has done to Liverpool recently because they just wanted to boot shit out of them. I think Robbo's is. A, I think he has got there's a malice and there's a little bit in that as well. Yeah. Like both of them, both of them are a little bit, over, a little bit naughty. I don't think McAllis is brilliant in it either. But I'm, again, I'm shocked that's not a red card. I'm shocked that isn't one that is. VAR looked at and gone. It's, 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 it's high over that's the ball. It's, it's not. It, it's and there's aggression in that. And we know Robbo's got a little bit of that in this game as well. Of all of my thoughts, of Gwen. Well, Fab should have been sent off. I think Canate should have been sent off. <laughs> I think Robertson could have been sent off. Liverpool could have been down to eight. If all, I think if, if, if you send Fabinho off. You have to send Robertson off because they're 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 not too dissimilar in terms of their their battle control. They're really badly timed challenges. Yeah, we know Andy Robertson's the biggest shit house in the Liverpool side in terms of stuff like that. Dark Arts is is being kind. He, he often leaves thing leaves up bits on players. It's a poor challenge, and I think if we were sat here now, the three of us talking about how Liverpool finished with eight men, we we really couldn't argue. Um, we've been we've been lucky to not see some well Robertson's would have been a three match ban wouldn't it Fabs would have as well yeah, yeah. Um, we've been we've been we've been lucky there so I think we should lick our wounds in terms of going out with the cup and be grateful for the fact that you say that mate I think Fab getting a three game ban might have been a, <laughs> might have been a positive yeah, we'd have written to the FA can't yeah, yeah. make it I was 12 gonna, I was going yeah, to say I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the case I'm going to I'm going to phone the refs later you sure you don't want to give a ban no, uh, bless him yeah he's struggling I thought Robbo's was nasty I think he really got away one and if you're a if you're a believer in fate, or no, sorry, if you're a believer in karma, Saj, Brighton, there's Brighton fans are thinking we fucking deserve that because if we'd have walked away one all with three no red cards not going our way, there would have been, they'd have been again, they'd have felt very, very hard done by, but they do, of course, get the winner, which we, we all know. Right then, 
let's put that Brighton game to bed. Let's never speak of it ever again. I hope it'll be a bit of therapy session for you there. But yeah, let's let's leave that one where it is right there. Our next clip is from our latest, our newest show. We're doing a bit of a, a reshuffle of the content. I'm sure you've seen here at Redmen HQ. One of those reshuffles involves the creation of the Biased Football Podcast. Yes, you've got Paul, Chris, you've got Dan, and you've got Chloe looking at all the stuff that teams around the league are doing, laughing at some of them, begrudgingly praising some of them and all kinds in between as well. Yeah, so this clip coming up right now is from the new show. It's the Bias Football Podcast. My strong take on this is that I think Chelsea are fucked and I don't think we're going to realise how fucked they are for a year or two. But it will, if this is, if they put all their eggs in all of this, because if your point on the podcast is interesting, if this is one player, and it's a brilliant, huge, fucking expensive player. Then it gives a fuck because Enzo Fernandez has probably got a resale market, but there's a bunch of these other lads here who might well not have. Mm-hmm. And if you're filling up, and they're all they're all non-homegrown footballers as well, so you're filling up squad spaces with loads of fucking lads that you can't shift on in future. I hope so. Yeah, I, my genuine feeling is I think I think this is stupidity. I think Todd Bowley is a very impatient man. Yeah, and he is buying success now. Yeah, and that's what he and he's not kind of asked. I think when you look at it, probably in the next five to eight years, which I think is when they probably have the biggest problem, mm. there could be all kinds of this new straight to consumer television deals and all kinds mm. of stuff to mitigate the problems that they could face in the future. It's wild to gamble. He gambled well, a lot, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, he's just gambled fucking three and a half billion on buying the football club. <laughs> and, like, and I mean, he's got that, the money. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? What has yeah. he spent? Two hundred and sixty million. Into a 2.5... 323, this transfer window. This transfer window. So just about 10% of the value of the football club. Because they sold for 2.5 billion with the extra 1.25 of investment guaranteed. So actually, like, what he's trying to do is grow the grow the business as well, isn't he? You know what I mean? So I can understand that. And he's obviously got deep pockets such that he can do that. Mm. Like, I wouldn't really like you to hemorrhage the future on the now in terms of Liverpool. Mm. But... He's quite far behind. Chelsea are quite. I think Chelsea are much further behind than us, which sounds mad because they're ahead of us in the league. But I think a couple of signings yeah, for us. Are they, are they just behind us? You won't be behind us, yeah. Okay, so we're similar essentially, but yeah, I yeah. think we're much closer to the top with two signings than they were with yeah. two signings. So I can understand why he's done it. I don't think it will work personally. I do think they will end up in trouble. Mm. But Chelsea are one of those just mad future-proof football clubs in some ways, aren't they? They're always shit and then the boss and then the shit and then the boss. That is the new Chelsea and True. they'll f- somehow find a fucking way to but, make it work for them. And no, I, one, I, I, no, I know no other club could. But they're a different football club now, though, is the thing, aren't they? The, you know, the Roman, Romans, Chelsea were a thing. We, this is, we don't know and everyone's kind of expecting this of like, oh no, this is just Chelsea being going back to being Chelsea stuff. I get it, Chloe, it's, it's hope more than expectation, I guess, but it would be nice if they just, because I heard, again, it was a very booby comment, but he called them the, the next Portsmouth in waiting, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Uh, I would be very happy for them to be a club that absolutely financially mismanages themselves into oblivion because they would deserve it. And uh, this would be a nice... This, if you're going to financially mismanage your football club, signing 15 fucking footballers on eight-year contracts is probably a good way to start. Good way to start it. Yeah, it is, but once again, I mean, I, I, I really don't... 
Can someone give Chloe a cuddle? Because I'm getting a real, like, a real depressive vibe. It's not that. It, it's, it's one of them where I guess there's a lot of other football clubs who, and, and Chelsea were, were actually one of them, but there's managers specifically who you'll come in and if you want them to manage, Graham Potter's not this type of manager, no. but Conte, Mourinho, you get them in, you give them as much money as they want to do what they, the next five years, well, Five years, they probably won't be there that long. Three years, they'll actually they'll go and win stuff for you. Um, I thought I I really did think that Chelsea needed to rebuild themselves, and I think they've just decided to all rebuild it within one transfer window, which is just mental. Um, they've signed some good players. That's not going it wrong. Enzo Fernandez, but uh, he's not worth 106 mil, but mm. he, he's a good player, and he, he might be with them for the next 10 years because that might be your, your midfielder. We talk about Jude Bellingham potentially being our midfielder, a generational midfielder. Maybe Enzo Fernandez is that for them. Um, I'm just bored. I'm sick and tired of it. Like. Why? <laughs> what? How can we compete with that? I mean, we're we're crap, and they were absolutely dismal. I looked at their football team, and they came to Anfield, and thought, Jesus Christ, they were these players. I don't yeah. who are half of them, and now you know we're we're sat here and we're keeping hopes for top four. We're really trying, and we were thinking about the Champions League and hoping that on some miracle anything happens. Chelsea have just decided, now nah, we're not waiting on a miracle. We're going out and spending. I hope it doesn't go well for them. It would be fucking hilarious but, if it did, if they didn't haven't haven't thrown all that money at it. And again, it'd be interesting to see what they do next because if they don't, if if haven't invested that, what what we don't know what they're like. We don't know what their owners are actually really like. We just know yeah. they've come in, spent loads of money on them, and spend the money. And they, but they've, they sacked Thomas Tuchel. I'd be more People worried about, about that. Yeah. But I'd be more worried if Tuchel had been handed all this money to spend on players. To be to be brutally honest yeah. on it, they might be they might be looking at what Eddie Howe's doing at Newcastle and go, well, "We've got a sensible manager and he's got a good a good thing and he's controllable or whatever." But it would be fucking hilarious if they fucked it and and they don't get Champions League football. Mm-hmm. What do they do? Do they sack Potter? Do they, and then all of a sudden, and this goes back to this long-term contract thing, you've spunked all your money, or maybe not all your money, but they'll probably do it again in the summer, but they've spunked a significant chunk of change on a load of footballers mm. who are tied into long-term contracts. Yeah. What if the next guy doesn't fancy half of them? Oh, doesn't like them, yeah. Oh. Do you? Sorry, do, do you... I, don't, I think if Tuchel was still in charge, they wouldn't have made as many signings. I, I don't... I, I also think Graham Potter has realised... Uh oh, I might not be at the level that. Spend it while it's there. <laughs> yeah, I might I'm not be. I'm just surprised that Potter yeah. was a fucking Slytherin in this fucking scenario. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? What the fuck? <laughs> Who saw that one coming? He didn't know about many of these signings at Potter. Did he? No, he'd asked about Mudrick before. He hasn't okay. got a clue. He, he was like, in oh, charge. yeah, I hear it might That's be, brilliant. you know, might be happening. I'm not, he wasn't really sort of au fave, everyone they were bringing in. He didn't know much about them. So they're just buying players and saying, go on then, lad, you use it. I'm they're not sure that suits They're him. a nutcase's plaything, Chelsea, I think, honestly. You see that the more. No one should know. Top Bowley is like again, he's the owner and he's going doing transfer negotiations. Why ultimately because they got rid of all the people whose job it was, but <laughs> get someone in to do that. Really? Say what you want about FSG, but John Henry was not at the negotiation tables when we were out by it. When we were out buying footballers, it was Ian Air, and at least you know, and, and, and to be he, he got loads of stick, but by all accounts, he was I, actually a good a good guy in those situations. I, I would have thought that maybe it's me just living under a rock and being naive. I just thought. Jürgen Klopp half identifies these players. If Jürgen Klopp doesn't want to play, he's not playing for Liverpool Football Club. We can sell that. Yeah. And for some reason, I just assume that surely Graham Potter. No, 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 no. Some because some Chelsea's sort of Chelsea's scenario has always been 
buy the players for a coach. And then if the coach them. doesn't work, sack them. That's, yeah, that's, that's what they've really been for the last few but years. But like, it's worked for them, which is probably what's yeah, confused. They're the anti-football football. <laughs> you throw enough money at a problem, eventually you're going to get something. That's what Chelsea have always done, just throwing enough yeah. money at it. It doesn't matter who's in charge at that point. But are they still, that's the point, are they still that football club? Like are they going to sack the anti-football football club? Are they going to sack Graham Potter if he doesn't get off four this season? Maybe before that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe because I think he's unbothered. Time I actually thought it was a big job and a big risk from him in the first place, regardless mm-hmm. of all the money he spent. They then spent quite a bit of money in the summer, Kukurev, Sterling, etc. Now they've gone again. I think I don't think he's the right man for this job anymore. I really don't. And for his own sakes, I really like Graham Potter. He did a brilliant job at Brighton. Yeah. His own CV, his own career is on the line a little bit here, and I think he'll end pretty quickly. He's the one British thing manager. I will, the one thing I will say though, with with Potter and going to Chelsea, there is a lot of clubs. I think owners of football clubs that will go yeah I can draw a line under that because it was fucking Chelsea if it was somewhere where he'd been given time like an Arsenal and they gave him four years and it didn't work out then there might be questions about his career but I think what he did at Brighton and then going to Chelsea and going well that was fucking nuts he'll just get a mulligan on it (laughs) and he'll just go you know he will need a mulligan on it yeah. yeah Yeah, it's entirely possible. Right, cheers to Paul and the gang there. Yeah, hopefully you guys go and check that show. I'm sure you'll in. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Enjoy it. Moving on then. My show, it's Jano Insight, my favorite show. I love this show. Me and Neil Jones get to chat about all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. This week, we spoke about Joel Matip. Are we coming to the end of Joel Matip's Liverpool career? Neil said he's heard whispers from within Liverpool that that could be the case. So yeah, check out what Neil had to say. Where's he getting his info from? Doesn't really give too much away, but I'm sure you'll find out and you'll find it very interesting. Here is a clip from the Jano Insight show from this week. Joel Matip, you say likelihood of leaving, you get you know, six out of ten. It was this line here, just caught me, piqued my interest a little bit. There have been growing whispers from within the club that Matip may move on this summer. Am I right in saying Nick, he's got the rest of this season and one more mm. season on his contract? Yeah. So down to 18 months. Again, another injury uh, with that now. He's, he's been out injured and his form uh, is, is iffy now. Uh, that, that, that just took me a little bit by surprise. If Tupi told us, wanted to pick, pick your brains on mm. that one, really, the, the whispers within the club that we might be seeing the, the last few months of Matip. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> He's been there, again, another one who's been there a while, hasn't he? It'll be seven years this summer, Joel Matter. I mean, 
last year was was the high the high water mark, wasn't it for for him in terms of he he was in the side for the pretty much the entirety of the season up until maybe sort of March April. Yeah. You no, know, forty three. I've got his stats here. Forty three games. Forty three games. I imagine a lot of them were stats. You know, he he obviously lost his place. You'd say, wouldn't you, for the for the big one or the big ones at the back end of the season with with Canate. He was about to be 42 with them starts. 42 starts. Only one off the bench. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I bet that was a cup final as well. I bet that was for Van Dijk it in, was, in the cup it, final. It was the FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, wow, that's... Yeah, there you yeah. I would have thought that. You know, you'd just think you'd have a few games where you come on just to bring on an extra centre-back in the last five minutes. But 42 starts. Now, there's two ways of looking at that, isn't there? There's two ways to, to look at... <laughs> Has he been flogged? There's one to look at it. Well, yeah, there's one to look at it and say, wow, what an important player. You know, brilliant, and he was brilliant for the majority of last season. Fantastic. There was there was times last season when he was Liverpool's best defender, okay. centre back certainly. Or is the other one to look at and go forty two games? That's never happening again. Should have got rid. Should, I I think there was an argument to say you should have got rid. I, I I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have said going into last summer get him out. Absolutely not. But I think there was an argument to say that that was that was sort of the. It doesn't get better than that for Joel Matip in terms of performances and in terms of availability. Could Liverpool have, have earned a bit of money out of out of a, a player who's the wrong side of thirty? Possibly, I think I think they might be in a position now this summer where it's like we need to we we need another centre back. We we need to bring in a young centre back, another young centre back or another peak centre back to take over because you've got Van Dijk wrong side of thirty. He had bad injuries. You've got Gomez. I know he's got a long long contract, but suitability-wise, there's a lot of questions about whether Joe Gomez is going to be a sort of starting centre-back. I think Canate, fewer, far fewer cent- uh, questions about that. So where, where are you at then? You know, where are you at in, in two seasons' time? You know, 34, 35-year-old Virgil van Dijk, Matip, same age. You know, you're relying on those two, aren't you, to really kick on and develop or stay fit? I think Liverpool need to refresh that area of the squad. I do, and I don't see the young, younger ones. You know, I know they brought Reese Williams back. I know they've got Nat still at the club. Obviously, Nat's not. You know, they're going to build the future around Nat Phillips. You know, they'd, they'd probably let him go, had they received the right offers. I don't see Reese Williams. Don't look at Billy Cametto at the moment, looking like he's going to kick on as maybe they, they hoped he would, or certainly not for a few years. Seth Vandenberg's had a bad injury this season, hasn't you know? I don't think he's reached the level that you'd say he's ready to to, to press for the place. And you've got Jarrell Kwanzaa, young young lad out on loan in in League One at, at Bristol Rovers. So there's not there's not an obvious succession plan coming through there at Liverpool. There's the two, and there's Van Dijk and Matip, who, who you say well, it's still good enough, still good enough to play for Liverpool. But what about going forward? So I think there's yeah, I, I have heard it obviously from in, inside Liverpool that. You know, there's a, I wouldn't say there's an expectation that he leaves, but there's a there's a chance that he leaves in the summer. And the more I look at the situation, and the more I look at where Liverpool are at, the more I actually think I think it's the right thing. If if he if he does, you know, not not I'm not saying get him out and and don't replace him. I'm I'm saying if you can, I would do it. And I mean, the other thing I didn't really touch on it. I, I wish I had it in the piece. I do wonder whether there's a a Fabinho element to it in the sense of if if Liverpool do all of what they do in midfield. Is is I I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see it this season. Do we see Liverpool say, oh God, you're you're having you're just having one. Just go centre back for a bit and just just sort of try and 
try and get your bearings, you know, sort of get the I game. thought he was good at centre-back. Yeah, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a more than passable centre-back. You know, Fabinho, he, he's, he's a good player. Is there an element of Liverpool almost saying, just go and play there in a couple of games and get the game in front of you, just get used to, <laughs> get used to sort of passing the ball to a red shirt again and winning headers <laughs> tackling and people. tackling people. You know, is there that? And maybe maybe there's a longer-term element that do Liverpool... I, I'm not saying they... I don't think that's perfect and I don't think they, they are, but the potential that they say, you move into you, you, you move into a centre-back option now and we'll, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll completely revamp the midfield in, in that sense. But I do think with Matip, I think there's a, there's an element. It's not a quick, not a case of sort of, he's had a few bad games, so let's, Let's write them off completely. But I, I think last season does represent a, a, a level I don't think he'll ever get back to again in terms of performance levels and in terms of availability. So, you know, with with a year left on his contract and there's a, if there was a decent offer, I think Liverpool would be mad not to consider it. I was going to say, because we, we are heading to a... We, we got there with the midfield and they probably left it a little bit too late to, to, to act upon it. If they've learned the lessons, it might just be, listen, yeah, Virgil's getting there. We're not selling Virgil, obviously. Virgil, Virgil's here mm. until whatever... You could, you could go measures young Canate is young enough to, where they can be around. But you are right in saying if they are, hey, we know we, we know there's a lot of budget plans to be spent on the midfield. You would hope and you would think, but the centre half problem isn't going away. We had a question actually in the Discord chat. It was from SN who said, he, and he, he agreed. He said, like, you know, all this talk about midfielders, but Liverpool do Liverpool need the centre half? Matt has been as funny. Virgil's thirty-two. It does feel like if if the succession plan is where we think it might be, it would make sense if they go if they went and bought. The next Ibu Kanate, or you know, yeah. whoever that is, and then all of a sudden it's well, Kanate well, and Van Dijk go messing with this. What was Matip? Matip must have been 25, 26 when he signed. It was a free transfer, you know, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, represents a you know a fine bit of business. I mean, if, if the, God, I think they'd like a Joel Matip now. You know, they'd like a 25, 26 year old Joel Matip now. That would be that would be the perfect scenario, wouldn't it? I'm not sure what's about, but could they could they get one of those players that they just you know. That isn't isn't maybe the sort of obvious one that's gonna oh, wow you know like a, I'm trying to think of a centre back at the moment but it's the Croatian lad Guardiola yeah um, <coughs> or you know when when they signed Van Dijk seventy five million pounds centre back but is there is there a, a player that they can get in they go actually do you know what he's just a sort of a a, a nice four or five year player who's gonna be av- be available be able to play at a good level. You know, and and make the kind of impact that Matip made because I know it's a different. Matip came into a side that needed a lot. Well, <laughs> it wasn't. It hadn't been at the heights that Liverpool have been at over the last few years. So maybe it was easier to come in and make an impact. But he he did come in for nothing and and improve Liverpool's defence quite quite quickly, and stuck around for you know as I say he stuck around for seven years. Can they find something similar to that this summer? Can they find a player that maybe isn't, you know, an obvious candidate, but is good enough, young enough, cheap enough, maybe, or, or financially viable enough to come in and, and, and improve them? I, I think I think Liverpool, I think Liverpool have got a problem at centre back. I do. I think I think I think they've got a problem now, and I think they've got a problem coming down the road pretty quickly. Um, and you know, I didn't. I think there was an obsession from journalist fans. Maybe the club over midfield and forwards you know, over the last twelve months. Possibly the eye's been taken off the ball there. I know. I know that they've got Gomez on a long contract. I know that Van Dijk played a lot of football last season, and Canati's a very, very good player. But yeah, I don't see them being in a position where you go that that's taken care of for the next three or four years. Not at all. Well, again, it's, it, there's four of them. 
uh, on those questions, whether it's age and injury record mm-hmm. in particular for all four of them at the moment. And I can put verge on that now because he's, yeah. he's starting to, again, and that's understandable, he's starting to get to an age where he is picking up these injuries and he's played a lot of football for us and for the Netherlands. It's no shock that he's he's not picked up this muscle injury. So you are right in saying it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, it's just it just feels right. There's there's a lot that needs to be you and you, the, the, literally the again go back to the title of your piece. It, it is like literally the, the 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 summer rebuild. It does feel like that is that is on the cards yeah. in, in all it. Like say we think the forward line if Roberto Firmino stays, they might just be able to go right. That's fine, but centre half and centre midfield in particular, there's a lot that needs to be done. And again, it's it's just whether they decide. So much needs doing. We're better off just keeping Joel Matip or actually no now's the time while we're doing it. It's a bit like you get, we're getting the house built. We might as well just knock the, knock the wall down while we're here. Yeah, because uh, what's the point of just putting it down? We might as well do it all in one in yeah. one big hit. And it depends what what's out there. You know, you might get no one wants to buy Joel Matip, so you, there's no decision to be made. You know, I, it would, I wouldn't give him away. You know, I, I'd want yeah, good, yeah. I'd want good money for him. The levels he's been playing at. <coughs> Excuse me. So that 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 has to be factored in as well. You know, if if you if it's the difference is sort of a five million pound bid, well, no, probably not. Let's leave that. But if you if you if you get someone who's like a wash with cash and you get your Chelsea sort of saying we'll give you forty million for him, yeah, hundred percent, it makes sense. But yeah, th- there's a lot of factors there. But definitely, definitely Liverpool. I mean, the other hope is that if you did fix the midfield, do we have those doubts about Joe Gomez's suitability? You know, does does he just look a million dollars again? Sort of, you know, cigar time and Van Dyke looks, you know, well. I only have to win three headers a game, and that's me done. Just give the ball to these midfielders or these fullbacks, and we and we 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 sort it all out. Possibly, but at the moment, the mid the midfield is not you know fit for purpose, is it? Whether whether it's in terms of winning the ball back, protecting the defense, or or building the game, it's not you know it's not able to do any of the things that it you, you'd like it to be able to do. So it is leading to more pressure. You know, if you think. If you think of those two Brighton games, I'm not surprised there's been some hamstrings inj- injured by centre backs because you look at leg the amount the, the amount of sprints back towards their own goal he was doing. You know, Canate felt like he was in a foot race quite regularly, wasn't he? And on Sunday, you know, having to could have been sent off for one. Could have been sent off for one. I, I remember him doing a sliding sort of block to, to stop a through ball going through. I remember him having to show some great strength on a couple of occasions. And if you think back to that first half of the league game, how many times was Matt getting run into the the right back channel? You know, against Stephen Matoma or I think Welbeck, not maybe not Welbeck. He was playing up from Ferguson, wasn't Ferguson. it? The, the, the young lad. Um, so yeah, they're under a lot more pressure at the moment, and maybe that that does influence you thinking about how good they are. But I do think longer term that there, there, there is a, a need to at least refresh that area of the pitch or or start a plan for the you know the next four or five years and 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 beyond. Right, yeah, interesting one there from Neil. Like I said, that show was excellent. I'm sure you guys love it when you go and check it out. Finally, then, I want to talk about the deep dive. Yes, Chris and Josh are back in the deep dive hot seat looking at more tactical stuff because, of course, there's plenty all wrong for the heads at the minute, unfortunately. It really isn't great days, but yeah, two of the best analytical minds you'll find here on this very internet in the Liverpool sphere talking about it. So yeah, here's a clip from this week's deep dive show. 
On the 19th of July 2018, Alisson Becker officially joined Liverpool from Roma in a deal that made him the world's most expensive goalkeeper at the time. Liverpool paid £67 million for the 25-year-old 54 days after the heartbreak that was the loss of, against Real Madrid in the Champions League final in 2018. On the back of Lloris Carrier splitting 19 games apiece with Simon Mignolet during the course of the 17-18 season, Liverpool needed something and somebody to bring them forwards and get them out of the goalkeeper mire that had since ensued. Uh, Danny Ward was the number one goalkeeper at Liverpool for just one week. Uh, on the 13th of July 2018, David Maddock reported for the Mirror that he was going to be given the opportunity. And on the 19th of July 2018, Josh, um, Alisson was signed and on the 20th of July, Danny Ward was let to go to Leicester for two and a half million pounds. Um, it was 12 and a half, I think. 12 and a half, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Apologies. Oh, I've done a fucking bosh intro there. <laughs> I even wrote it down, lad. No, you did well here, actually. <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to connect you, but I thought I'd give Edward to pass on the back of it. 12 and a half million quid. Um, we were in dire need of a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper that was good because we had three goalkeepers, two we knew weren't good and one we didn't in Danny Ward. Um, we know now he's bad. Yeah. Mignolet since then, to be fair, like, I think he's just, is he just about to win Belgian Player of the Year? Not even Goalkeeper of the Year, Player <laughs> of the fucking Year. I didn't know that, like. Yeah, he's no. been incredible. He's captain in Club Bruges, and he is about to win Belgium's Player of the Year, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, <laughs> we've established that Liverpool need a new goalkeeper, but why exactly did Liverpool need a new goalkeeper for you? Well, it was painful the last season that we had with them two in goal. <laughs> I don't want to be too harsh, but I always find when it comes to, like, Strikers and midfielders, I'm a bit more patient me when it comes to assessing them and giving them time, uh, things like that. Especially attackers, I'm usually really understanding with them. But I always find when with goalkeepers and maybe centre backs as well, I'm just a lot more ruthless. The shit fuck about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, it doesn't take long for me to form my opinion, and it doesn't take long for me to say no, he's not good enough, he's he's crap or whatever. Um, so w with both of them. I think, I think Carius had a period, didn't he, where he looked all right. But even throughout that, I remember being like, no, he's not good enough. Um, Mignolet was a good shot stopper, I think. Yeah, at very times. good. Um, but his massive issue was he's just so error prone, wasn't he? And Everton would be going according to plan for, nine, for 70 minutes or something like that. He'd have been the better team. And out of nowhere, he'd, he'd just have a howler. I remember one away to Arsenal, shot from range, where it... it it either bounced off his hand and winning a goal or, or something something daft like that. And he was he was prone to delivering in them moments and costing you a game in an instant. He was um, a dumbass. He was what? He was a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to put it like that, sounds. Um, and he couldn't distribute either. His, his, his distribution was awful. Considering he's a footballer. Right, can I tell you the story? And I'm, apologies, because Redman Plus subscribers will have heard me say this in the past, right? <laughs> me and Paul went to the kit launch in town outside, um, uh, what was that? You know, the German beer house and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah the beer keller. Beer keller, John Lewis, right? We went down there. Did you come with us? Right. And Simon Mignolet was kicking fucking footballs into the crowd. I'm missing the crowd, Josh. Right, at a kit launch, he was hitting the side of the John Lewis building with his goal kicks into a, a massive fucking crowd. And we were like, we never really registered it at the time, did we, Tom? I don't think. And then it was, wasn't until we watched him in the fucking games and we were like, 
Oh, do you remember that kit launch and he kept kicking the John Lewis windows instead of the crowd? <laughs> like, no one, they were supposed to be giving away balls. He couldn't get them into the crowd to give the balls away. And that's when I realised we fucked up big time, really. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I remember a game, I think it, was, it might have been Burnley Turf more, and the ball comes to him. It's like open play, the ball comes to him. And he either kicked it straight out for a corner or took too long to actually hit the ball. And it went out. And it went out and then he kicked it. It was something like that, but distribution-wise, he was a shambles. Like. Um, and then in terms of Carrius, I think Carrius was more of a modern sweeper. but He suited the system more. Yeah, but I think shot-stopping, for me, no. <laughs> <laughs> and error-prone-wise... <laughs> Error prone wise, I didn't actually think he was as bad as Mignolet until the Champions League final. Yeah. And you can put it down to concussion if you want. I mean, maybe it's right to do that, but. You're not. It doesn't sound like you are. It, well, I don't think Alisson's doing that, even if he's concussed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. But he was more of a modern keeper, though. He was. He was. Yeah. He did fit the style of play more. And I, I think towards the end of that season, he did get better. The problem was when the when it when it comes to that pressure point, when it comes to that final. I mean, he passed the ball literally to Benzema <laughs> to hit into the goal, and then panicked big time yeah. when when Gareth Bale hit one from distance. And I was unfortunate. I was fortunate enough to be there and unfortunate enough to witness it. Um, I think we were all going to give him a chance, though, as Liverpool fans. Heading into that pre-season and then he he kept fucking up in the warm-ups against Tamir in our first pre-season game. I was there, we were recording we and the lad was shite. Yeah. And then, I, I'm not even sure he made the pitch for that game, but he was terrible. Like. Yeah, his confidence was shot, wasn't he? Yeah. After that Champions League final. And I think the, one of the things I found weird was uh, that summer when he just had an absolute disaster in the biggest game of his career, rather than laying low, at the end of the summer, he, he posted a video on social media, like an, like an influencer's video, like my summer type thing, and he's posing and all that in it, and he's like in these big popular places in the world and things, and I just felt like, is that a good move, you know what I mean? Is it like a, a clever move for the the goalkeeper of Liverpool who just made a calamitous error, two calamitous errors in the Champions League final, to go and put himself out there publicly like that, when your confidence is already low? And I just, I just never thought he was, he was the right fit personally. No, he was shite. Um, so we, we'll look around then. What should we look at Europe's top five leagues and the goalkeepers that Liverpool were probably looking at? Yeah. Well, on the screen, on your screens now, you, you can see Europe's top five leagues for the season that Liverpool got to that Champions League final. So this is the season before Liverpool signed Allison, and this is basically performance against expected goals. Um, and I think you're looking at the top 20 players there across Europe. So when I say performance against expected goals, I don't want to complicate it too much because it's technically post-shot expected goals and all this. It can get very confusing. But what, what it basically means is those are the number of goals that each goalkeeper has saved above expectation. So yeah. above the average player. So for podcast listeners, can you... Can you pick a couple of these players out and maybe give the numbers for them? Yeah, so at the very top, top of Europe for this season was David De Gea. David De Gea saved about 13 goals more, or 12.5 goals more, than the average goalkeeper would have based on the shots on target that he faced in that Premier League season. Second is Jan Oblak, followed by Neto, Vicente Guaita, Nick Pope, Mark-Ander Ter Stegen, Regis Gertner, 
I've, I've never heard of him, never I'll be honest. And then Alison Becker. And then there's a little bit of a drop then to a few more players, basically. Um, but Alison's very much in touch with that top bracket of players. Um, so if you look on a shot stopping, this is this is what this offers an insight into shot stopping. Uh, Alice, Alison was one of the top performing goalkeepers that season for Rongman and Serie A. And I think out of all those goalkeepers as well, Alison's the highest ranked for Serie A. Um, and I think that kind of then gives you an opportunity to delve deeper into maybe those top players mm-hmm. and determine, right, let's have a look at these shots, let's have a look at the rest of this player's game. Say, for example, David Hare, he plays for Man United. Yeah. Rule him out. Jan Oblak, I think he was actually on the Liverpool shortlist. Yeah, but I think... we were talking 100 plus, I think, at the time for Jan Oblak. There was rumours yeah. of touching 100, maybe 105. It might have been Euros, to be honest. I'm not 100% sure. It was a while ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I think Vicente Goaite, um I think he was at Palace, was he? Crystal Palace. Was he there? Yeah. I don't think he's got the distribution to his game, personally. I don't think he's got the sweeping to his game. And I think that applies to a lot of them. Stegen was obviously at Barcelona. We're not going to get into that today. So I think it led us to Alison Becker basically being a potential solution for us. Um, One interesting little side note as well in terms of the hair is that season United finished second in the Premier League under Mourinho, I think it was. And they, they weren't very good basically that season. They should have finished closer to four. Liverpool and we were the second four. best team in the league that year, and we finished yeah, yeah. fourth, didn't we? Yeah, if you look at like expected points and things like that, Liverpool should have finished fourth, but we didn't. And a lot of that stemmed from just conceding more than we should have, which you look at your goalkeeper for. Um, so just the goalkeeper there was arguably the difference between Liverpool finishing fourth and Man United finishing second. So yeah, if you look at Allison on the shot stopping metric there, you can see he's one of the top performers. You obviously won't sign him on the back of that, but that's enough for you to look further at his game. And if, if we know Allison now, don't we? In terms of shot stop, and he's also got distribution to his game, he's got sweeping to his game, and he's kind of the complete goalkeeper, really, isn't he? Cheers to Chris and to Josh for that one. Right then, guys, got a little offer for you guys, a little deal for you, you wonderful podcast listeners. Thanks for getting to the end of Red Men Weekly. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you want to check out all of those shows that you've just heard from in their entirety, even in video or in podcasting formats, then you can do just that. If you go over to redmenplus.com, if you sign up on a yearly subscription as a club captain, it's the 50 quid one. Well, if you sign up and use the code WEEKLY, W-E-E-K-L-Y, we'll give you 50% off that. So essentially 25 quid for the entire year. It works out at about 48p a week, which is, is it's ludicrous, really. We're practically giving that away to you. But considering we love you guys, our wonderful podcast listeners so much, go and get yourselves involved in that. Like I say, redmenplus.com. Sign up as a club captain yearly subscription. Enter the code weekly on the payment screen, W-E-E-K-L-Y, and you'll get it for 50% off that 40 AP a week. Absolute bargain for you. Some of you took this offer up last week, some of you didn't. I'm giving you another chance to do it. Go and do it again. I'm sure you'll love it. Speaking of which, I'm sure you'll love all the content over there on Red Men Plus. Thanks very much for listening to the latest weekly wrap-up show. I'm sure you've loved it. I've loved having you, and we'll catch you all next week. See you in a bit. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.